Hey, something really cool happened. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 was selected as one of Feedspot.com's top 20 K-12 education podcasts. Thanks so much, Feedspot. Go to blog.feedspot.com slash K-12 underscore education underscore podcast to see the whole list. This is so awesome. Hey, y'all. I'm Casey Bell from the Shake Up Learning Show, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Jeff Marshall. He's a retired journalist who at various times was a reporter, editor, feature writer, columnist, and book reviewer. And guess what? Early in his career, he was nominated with a team for a Pulitzer. Very cool. He's also the author of several books, but our focus today is his latest called Undetected. And it's a thriller and it'll keep you on the edge of your seat. You're going to love this. Thanks for listening. Lots to learn. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. Now here's Steve with this week's show. Jeff Marshall has spent many years reporting on facts and truths for various newspapers and publications, including the New York Times and the Associated Press. Once part of a team nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for reporting, he now has turned his attention to fiction and has just released a psychological thriller that involves a narcissist and sociopath and revolves around a family in an affluent community where things are not what they seem. This riveting thriller makes, takes us into the lives of the 1% and why their relationships and problems really mirror the 99%. Jeff Marshall is a retired journalist and the author of three books, including Little Miss Sureshot, a historical novel about Annie Oakley, and he has been published widely in newspapers and magazines, including the New York Times and New Jersey Monthly, and was at various times a reporter, editor, feature writer, columnist, and book reviewer. A little about the book we're going to talk about today, which is called Undetected. Susie Perry, a lovely, accomplished older woman, has married into a new family in Westchester County, New York, after being widowed not long before in Atlanta. Her new husband, Dean Perry, is besotted with her, but his son, Alex, and daughter-in-law, Lisa, are troubled by how little they know about her. Who is she? Little by little, clues and tidbits of information persuade Alex that he needs to know more. As the questions pile up, Alex, a journalist, elects to hire a private detective to probe Susie's past without informing his father. Over time, it becomes clear that Susie changed her name when she moved to Atlanta and that she had been married for many years to a car dealer in Missouri who died suddenly just shortly before she left. Is all this innocent or something more sinister? Once circumstantial, the evidence becomes more concrete, and then Susie is on the run. Marshall has a bachelor's degree from Princeton and a master's in journalism from Northwestern. His interests include tennis, golf, fly fishing, travel, hiking, and movies. He and his wife, Judy, have two rambunctious dogs, Maggie and Blaze. And Jeff, I'm so thankful for you joining me today. Say hi to everyone. Uh, hi, everybody. Hope you're staying safe. Nice to be with you, Stephen. Well, glad to have you here. By the way, just how rambunctious are those two dogs? One is more rambunctious than the other. She is just, she's a bundle of energy, 35 pound, uh, kind of a pit bull terrier, I guess, all black. And my other dog is much more of a conventional kind of a shaggy dog, but uh, they have fun with each other and we certainly have fun with them. Very cool. Very cool. The, uh, well, 
before we talk about your book, I sorry, I had to ask. What it, it, it's a nice, <laughs> nice little verb there. I'm like, what's? Let me let's let's find out uh, our adverb there describing this. Sure. So, um, that's that's great. I'm talking to a writer, and I screw up my uh, <laughs> grammatical talk. So, um, you know, before we talk about your book, Undetected, let's talk a little about you as a journalist. You worked as a reporter, editor, feature writer, columnist, and book reviewer over the years. What inspired you to pursue journalism? Actually, it was something that came to me reasonably late. I mean, I wasn't one of these uh, cub reporters that you see on the news that are eight or nine years old and they're out there in their community and they have all these stars in front of them. I was actually in my senior year of college and was kind of drifting along towards law school like so many people were at the time. This was the early 70s and you know we just had the civil rights movement. Um, there's a lot of sort of activism surrounding the law. You just didn't have to, you know, assume that you were going to go in and, you know, become a factotum doing trusts and estates. You know, there was some excitement about the law. But then I took the law boards and uh, it was a very unhappy experience. And probably some people have had the same. Uh, I didn't do well, which was unusual. I just didn't like the material. And I started, I really had to have, have a kind of, come to Jesus moment. You know, what did I really want to do if it wasn't going to be law? And I really started thinking about writing. I mean, I'd written for a high school paper, not in college, but I'd certainly been encouraged as a writer in a later, later in my college career when I was taking some English courses. And uh, didn't have a lot of other people in that I knew that you were even contemplating anything like this. So it was something of a flyer, but it the more I thought about it, the more it made sense for me. And But the thing that I really felt I needed to do was to have some credentials. So that's why I applied to graduate school for a master's degree. It took a couple, it was a couple of years after the, after I graduated as an undergraduate that I went through that. But the rest, you know, I, it was a wonderful career. You know, as a journalist, you can, you, you know, it's all about curiosity and what you want to know and what you can learn. And uh, I, I loved it. Very cool. And and, and uh, during your journalism career, you were nominated for a Pulitzer with a team. Uh, it, could you talk a little bit about that and what were you, you were working on? And what, you know, what was it like to know that you had been nominated for that award? I, it really started as uh, something that came out of uh, some, not even so much reporting I had done. It was, I was the, uh, the count, uh, the, 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 reporter covering the largest town in the county in New Jersey. Uh, it was a county seat. And some anonymous tip came in, as these things often do, to the investigative reporter. And it was something of a sour grapes kind of story. This guy felt that he'd been kind of <laughs> left out in the lurch. Uh, pointing fingers at the people, some of the municipal officials, and it basically involved uh, expense account fraud, double billing, um, the white collar crime uh, and the investigative reporter uh, kind of took me under his wing and there were three of us working on this probably for about three months and it became quite clear that there was there was indeed not just smoke there was fire there and eventually uh, the story came out I think in two parts and three maybe it was three parts and uh, two two of the uh, people involved ended up being indicted and went to jail. A third one was 
you know, I think it's something of a lesser penalty, but clearly it was something of a coup for the newspaper and they responded by nominating it for Pulitzer. And I think we, if I didn't mention, I think we spent about three months on it. So this was really quite early in my career. And uh, this is about the mid to early 70s. Oh, wow. So that's cool to have to start off that way to get uh, some attention yeah. that uh, I would think kind of inspire or kind of encourage. Certainly, yeah, I mean, uh, it was certainly inspirational. <laughs> Very cool. The, uh, well, let's shift to your book a little bit. Your, your book, Undetected, is a thriller. Why did you choose to write a story in this genre? And could you talk a little bit about what makes a thriller thrilling? I've always uh, loved the genre, and I think I'd go, I would include the word mystery or crime and, uh, and you know, something a, a little bit of a, sort of a broader take on this. And it all goes back, I mean, I was reading as a young teenager, I was reading Agatha Christie and Sherlock Holmes. I think I read the complete Sherlock Holmes three times nice. in my teens. Probably a little excessive, but um, uh, it, it, there's just something about the whole idea of mystery and why do people act the way they do? Why do the, why do they commit crime? Um, you know, it's it's part of human nature that I think most of us just don't really comprehend or can't really understand, and that's what makes sort of the fictional treatment of this intriguing because you can, as a writer you can create any kind of character you want and imbue them with any kind of characteristics you want. You can make them mostly good or mostly bad. Um, but the idea is that, you know, you've created, you've created a plot that is moving along towards some kind of denouement and whether, you know, it might not, might not be a whodunit, maybe it's a why done it. This is which is probably the case, more of the case of my book because it's pretty clear who done it. Um, and I think the, the part of the uh, appeal for the reader is that question of, you know, can I solve this? Do, you know, do I, can I guess at the ending? Or maybe it's just that you're kind of carried away with the story and the plots, the plot and the twists that come in. And I guess some people can be accused of putting too many twists in, but, you know, I think it all comes, kind of comes out in the wash. Very cool. It's uh, and I, and I, I got to tell you, I love. That's what I love about mystery thriller type things is that if you you give me something, I usually fall hook, line, and sinker. And the next <laughs> thing I know is, I, I was the one f focused on the red herring or whatever you want to call it. So, right. Speaking right. of Sherlock Holmes or whatever. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the the uh, well, good stuff. I I love the blurb for your book. The blurb says this: Susie is a black widow who is taken up with a new family. Can they unearth her past before she strikes again? Tell the readers a little about the meaning behind the reference. Well, I think most people know uh, the, the term Black Widow. You know, there, there really aren't that many of them around <laughs> that we know of. But, you know, it's basically essentially a woman who's killed her husband. And in, in my case, Susie's uh, dispatched two of her husbands, actually, after fairly long marriages to each of them. And she's done it in a subtle way. I mean, she's used a plant-based poison and so she's un she's been under the radar she's been able to kind of move around the country without attaching any uh, liability to herself and in terms of coming into the new family you know i think certainly we're we're all of us have had situation most of us where you know there have been people that come into the family we, you know by marriage or some other way we don't know much about them and so I wanted to create a character where 
her past was just really the furthest thing from an open book. There were so many closets, there are so many potential skeletons, and she didn't want to talk about them. So it really was incumbent upon my journalist character to start trying to figure out who is this person, what do we know about her, and what don't we know about her. Very cool, very cool. They, uh, you know, one of the things I'd like you to do is that, because uh, just right there, there's, there's that main character you have. Could you talk a little about how you create your characters? I mean, you have some very real people, and I got to tell you, they feel very real. They're, when you, as you're reading your story, it's like you, you've known them, or you've known these people or something like that. At least that's how I feel. And uh, you know, where'd they come from? Did you have them in the back of your mind, or did they come to you as you started writing the story? Uh, they really come to me uh, as I'm as I'm writing the story. And I, I appreciate your compliment about the fact that you felt you you know them because I think it, that's that's a real hallmark of success for a writer. Um, I think we've all read uh, or read criticism of books where the, the characters are described as kind of cardboard or one-dimensional, and I think it's incumbent on a writer to try to give you as much meat as possible, meat, put that meat on the bone, you know, go a little bit into maybe their, their background, what they do for a living, you know, how they interact with other people. And the human relationships are so important in any kind of, you know, the world that we live in. And that's true in fiction too. Um, so uh, in terms of, you know, they were, there are no, there's nobody that is actually based on anybody that I know. They're, so they're composite characters, and I kind of have them in the back of my back of my mind, and I'm kind of I won't say I'm, I'm manipulating them, but I'm certainly trying to, you know, I'm as I go along, I'm at, sort of adding elements or or layers to who they are, and what their motivations might be, and um, uh, it, it's you know this I'm I can't say that I'm really a you know, a fiction writer of long repute. So this is all a little bit new for me and uh, I really enjoyed doing it. It's a fascinating challenge. Very cool. And and it, it's got good feel to it because I, you know, I'm getting ready to get into this, your use of words because your use of words is is amazing. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I And it, it helps you get that feel for who they are, especially uh, the concerns that Alex has um, fairly soon and so forth. And, you know, it's, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is like, um, here's an example of your writing that makes me feel um, feel like I know Alex. On page, uh, uh, in the book, you have this, this section where it says, children are always curious about new companions for their parents, and especially new husbands or wives. And Alex was no different. He felt himself sizing Susie up, weighing every word and action, like a juror assessing a defendant on the stand. Talking it over with Lisa now and then, he felt himself wanting to pull back to dial down his antenna, but it was hard. His father was well off and he could certainly leave his estate to Susie, something Alex would never have dreamed of a year earlier. In an, another example on page 64, his mind swirled with questions and suspicions as shapeless as an amoeba on a high school biology slide. Susie, despite her vivaciousness and obvious people skills, was something of an enigma. Her past was an unknown, but until the last few weeks, it wasn't an issue. Now, like a dark, misshapen cloud on an otherwise tactless horizon, it was a full-blown concern. I, I love the way you paint pictures with words. And, and it's funny, having now, I've never had a stepmother who was a, uh, or a, 
or, or, you know, any, any other new family member who uh, murdered someone before or something like this, but having been involved in the split up marriages and having multiple new stepmoms and, uh, and new stepfathers, there's, uh, you know, there's all those things that you go through. And that's why I probably really identified with Alex starting to go, you know, (laughs) using these words, you kind of hit that on the head, but uh, you know, it's, I, can you just do something for me here? What I'd like to do is have you talk about developing your descriptions. You know, do you start off with a general concept and then add, or is it something else? How do you do that? I think I'd say probably both ways. Sometimes it's a very specific thing that I'll literally, I'll be, uh, you know, it'll strike me. I'll be, uh, you know, in the shower or in bed. Um, and I have an image and I, I'll, and I'll make a mental note of it. Or maybe I'll come in and make a note by the computer. This is something that I, you know, that I want to get in. Uh, or other times it might be, start with a, something of a more general idea. Now, for instance, one of the examples you're talking about, you know, um, this was like a, a cloud on the horizon. Well, that's, you know, I think we can all get that. But then I wanted to sort of amplify a little bit. A dark misshapen cloud. Well, that that's a little more figurative. Uh, on an otherwise trackless horizon. So you see this just kind of popping out on the on, the, on this otherwise blank screen. So there's there's certainly an idea that there's something you know really significant that's out there that you're looking at. Um, and I was I think I was going to give you a couple of other examples from from the book. Um, that would go along with the, what the questions that you're that you're asking here, Stephen. Um, here, I was talking about uh, being out in L.A., where one of my secondary characters is, and here we are. She's she's talking. You know, we're I'm, again. I'm trying to really give the reader an idea, a sense of place. So I'm talking about the Santa Ana winds, and I've never lived in LA, but I've certainly heard a lot about them. And so I say, but here they were rushing through the LA basin like a freight train that's behind schedule. Nice. Well, freight train's a pretty powerful thing, you know, and it might go on for a mile, but you know, and usually they're going very slowly. <laughs> so here it is something that's moving fast and it's big. So I, yeah, that I, I always like that one. It's a nice one. And like here's another one. Um, I'm talking about Susie when she's actually sort of on, on the run here toward the uh, toward the end of the novel, and she's actually decided to change her appearance somewhat, and she's uh, trying to decide, you know, just what kind of hair dye to use to change her hair color. So she said. Um, She'd never dyed her hair, her pride and joy, but the more she pondered on it, the more she seemed, the more that seemed like the best option. Nothing too extreme, not black or red, but maybe a medium brown, the color of the muskrats she used to see swimming languidly at Bob Pruitt's pond in Little Rock. Pure invention. I love that. Brown is... Brown is brown, but you know, the color of a muskrat, I think people kind of relate to that. And Bob Pruitt, who, you know, Bob Pruitt's pond of Little Rock, pure invention. I mean, she grew up in Little Rock. Maybe the, hey, maybe there was a Bob Pruitt. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Especially knowing that Bob Pruitt doesn't exist, right, at least right. the one that you created. So, 
<laughs> nice. And it does. What it does is you do a great job. Those are more examples of it about uh, it helps you paint that picture and you get a feel for what color she's looking at and what she's doing and, and kind of the thinking that she's got going on there too, which is neat. I, th I think the best thing a writer can do and in, in many ways is just really give the reader a sense of just being able to visualize, you know, what are you, as you're reading, what mental image are you able to create? And the more detail you give them in some cases, as long as, you know, you're keeping within reason, I think the better, better service you're doing for the reader. Very cool. I think you're right. I think you're right. So I got to ask because you, you've written uh, several books. Uh, you've written lots of stories. Do you outline or do you kind of start with an idea and go forward and see where it goes? I'm really an outline phobe. <laughs> and I think it started with my eighth grade English class. I, I'm trying to remember it was eighth grade and probably <laughs> where, you know, we, the teacher said, okay, this is the way you need to start the process you need to create this series of, you know with all with the letters and the numbers and the bullet points and uh, i think that i know that never worked for me and maybe that's one reason why as a, <laughs> as a journalist you don't have time to do that maybe that kind of lends itself to to my situation but uh, i i i'm not an outliner and i was not outlining in in this book so really you know, the, the phrase may seem a little odd, but, you know, writing the book was kind of a voyage of discovery because I, I knew where I wanted to start, but it certainly didn't know where I wanted, where it was going to end. And I would, I would get to a certain point and really have to think, well, you know, where do I want to go next? And in some cases I was, it was, this process was simplified because I simply, I knew I had to go back in time a little bit and nothing, nothing in the book is completely uh, linear. So I would go chronologically, I would go back somewhat and create another sort of backstory, either about Susie or her daughter or something like that. And <laughs> so that, that, and then I would actually write down a, you know, a, a phrase or maybe a couple of sentences put it on, literally put it on a post-it note and tack that up on a board. And that, that was sort of, it wasn't even necessarily a sequence of chapters, but it was what I was going to address in that particular chapter. So as, as it went along, I think I got to a point where I, I really didn't need the post-its anymore. I kind of figured out, well, okay, and now I'm kind of going along in a more uh, direct fashion, but it wasn't, it was never boom, 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 boom. It was all boom, boom. Oh, well, let's go back here. And we need to do that. And, and then, um, so it, it was, it was a, a very much not an outlining process. And, you know, I, I think it worked for me. Uh, I think there are probably a lot of very well-known writers who do outline heavily, particularly if you've got a recurring character and you just kind of have to plug in some of the details. And that, that was certainly not this book. Gotcha. The, uh, so, before we, because we're, we're getting close to wrapping up, and one of the things I want to make sure is, all right, so Undetected's cool. It makes you want to keep reading. I, I really identify with several of the characters, and I uh, love the imagery. What I'd like you to do, Jeff, is kind of, let's, let's give a little tease here, like a commercial, and, uh, you know, that's going to make somebody want to go get Undetected. 
Undetected is a psychological thriller about a woman who comes into a new family. And I think all of us are, you know, have had experience with meeting new people and trying to decipher what's behind them. And in my, in, in the case of Undetected, I've got a, a strong character, a very strong character who has a lot of things going for her. She's sophisticated. She's lovely. Uh, she has a lot, you know, on, on something that would, you know, lend herself to greater things, but she has a very dark past and uh, that past needs some exploration. And that comes in the form of both, you know, what I've written as an author and what my character Alex finds out about her. And these are kind of dark waters as she has, uh, she's, she's a, a narcissist, potentially sociopath, and in many ways, not a very likable, she doesn't know a lot of what she, she does is likable, but she, she presents a very good front. She's something of a chameleon and she work, she's very good in social situations. She's very endearing to some people, but I think the bottom line is uh, she has some very serious flaws that uh, the reader's gonna find are pretty intriguing. And I concur. And it's gonna, <laughs> once you start it, and especially once you meet her, you're going to want to keep going. And, uh, you know, anytime you've had any suspicions about somebody and uh, you start uncovering something just a little bit to maybe, you know, make you go, hey, there is something here like <laughs> Alex and uh, I, good stuff. So thank you. And, you know, uh, Jeffrey, like I said, your, your, your book, Undetected, is riveting. The imagery is amazing, and I love it. You've, you've written other books. Would you like to say something about any of them? And also, do you have another thriller in the works? I, this is actually my, my fourth book. Um, the first one was a business book, which I wrote probably about 30 years ago, on a pretty narrow subject that's really probably not worth <laughs> It's certainly out of print at this point. I self-published a book of poetry in 2009 called River Ice. And again, poetry is not a medium that really appeals to too many people these days. I mean, we've, we've come a long day, long way from the days of Emily Dickinson where, you know, that was, you know, she was the, probably one of the premier writers in the country. I don't think you could go, I don't think you'd stop a hundred people on the street and find more than two who could name a contemporary poet. It's just just not something that's really out there. But it, it was it was kind of a labor of love for me, stuff that I'd been collecting for oh thirty some years, and I felt I finally wanted to you know get it out there. And then my first novel uh, is called Little Miss Sure Shot. It's a historical novel about the life of Annie Oakley, who I really didn't you know was, was intriguing. I really didn't know that much about her. I kind of got fascinated with her and reading about Buffalo Bill and the Wild West show. So I, uh, I didn't want to do a biography. Um, and so what I did was read some good biographies and they sort of created the architecture of the framework for the book. And then I kind of looked at her life episodically um, over, you know, certain stretches of years and, uh, and certainly a, a main feature of the book, not only was you know, her many years of unbelievable talent uh, presentation at Wild Bill and the Wild West show, but her marriage to Frank Butler, who was a real, very real character and they were married for 50 years. It was really quite a love story. So that, 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 was, uh, that, was, my, that was my first novel. And, 
And now I'm actually um, very much, I'm almost finished with yet another novel. I, uh, all I'll say about this, it's, it's not a thriller. Uh, it's certainly not uh, anything that lends itself to an easy label. It's kind of a, a caper book, I suppose. It has some, uh, hopefully a good deal of humor and irony and set in New York City and involves some principal characters. Uh, one is a reporter who is based very much on someone that I worked with, who was an amazing character, um, a high-level banker and uh, some a publisher of a tabloid uh, who has some very strong resemblance to our president. So there's, uh, there's some good grist for some comedy in there. And I have a Russian, uh, some Russians coming into the picture. Um, I'm really having a lot of fun with it. Cool. Very cool. We'll look forward to hearing more about it when it comes out, when you finish it. The, uh, uh, very nice. Very nice. So uh, sounds like you are having, <laughs> sounds like you found a subject to have some fun with. So yeah, very definitely. Jeff, as we're getting ready to close, where can someone connect with you and pick up a copy of your books? Uh, certainly, uh, the book is, uh, you know, widely available on the electronic platforms, uh, Amazon, Kindle, Barnes and Noble, Smashwords, uh, A Libris, I think is one that, uh, some people may know of, um, uh, contact, I, I, I have a, uh, I have a website where, you know, people could contact me and, um, so that, that's, uh, un, I'll spell it for you. So, undetectbook.com, U-N-D-E-T-E-C-B-K.com. And you can find out more about the book. You can read about some reviews. Um, I have some um, interviews on there already. Um, so people can understand a lot more about, uh, not just about me, but about the book. Excellent. And let's do that website one more time, because I'll also okay. put it on my website, uh, on my show notes, as well as the links. Yeah, I think it's, links. I think it's https dot double slash u-n-d-e-t-e-c-b-k dot com. Excellent. Thank you. And I'll make sure that link is on my show notes and uh, good stuff. So last two questions I want to ask you, Jeff, and it goes like this. If you had a chance to talk with someone who was wanting to write a book, what is one piece of advice you would want to give them? I think you have to be confident. You have, you have to have a certain amount of self-confidence. And, you know, we've all heard the proverbial stories about looking at a blank piece of paper. I, you know, I never had, I've never wrestled with writer's block. And, you know, that can be very crippling. Uh, I think you need to know that you have the ability to do it uh, you probably need to have been encouraged some, at some point by your teachers. You know that you have the ability to write. Uh, it's very hard to just kind of come out of the box and, you know, spend 40 years in, in the trenches in some of the businesses and say, oh, now I'm retired. I think I should write a book. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't quite work that way. Um, and I think uh, you, if you're writing fiction, I think you need to, you know, fiction is probably the hardest thing to weigh. I mean, it's probably it's a lot easier to write a memoir uh, if you're, you know, if you have an exciting life. Uh, it's certainly easier to write nonfiction if you're, if you have uh, expertise to pass on. But fiction is, is uh, something that requires, as, as we know, Stephen, requires a lot of imagination, it requires creating a plot, 
creating characters. Uh, you you really need to feel that you're that you're confident. You have the, the ability to do that. And I guess um, you can't just you know you probably just can't take it from your family. It's like singing. You know, <laughs> I'm a great singer. Oh no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you probably need some. You know, if you've never written anything before, you probably could benefit from some uh, second eyes from people who analyze writing. Excellent. Excellent. Appreciate it. The, uh, the last question goes like this. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Actually, I think I would go back to my third grade teacher, Mrs. Hubbard. Nice. Now, Mrs. Hubbard was a real stickler for spelling and grammar. And I guess that's age nine. I guess that's kind of an age where you start to think about these things. And um, spelling was a particular issue with her. And I've, and you know, maybe in part because of that, I've always been an exceptionally good speller. Um, that just maybe started this lifelong thing. And she also had a, a famous, <laughs> it stuck with me, and I think maybe you'll appreciate this. You know how virtually every, you know, if you ask a, a politician or you hear so many interviews, they, they start their answer with, well, you know, it's just kind of an American tradition. Well, yeah, yes. And so Mrs. Hubbard's response was, do you mean cistern? <laughs> <laughs> she, she definitely did not like people using the word well when she asked a question. Nice. So that stuck with me. That would, that would stick with you. Yes. <laughs> you mean sister. Nice. That, I wonder how often I would have gotten that one. Cause that was, uh, I had one of those teachers who uh, didn't use well, wasn't the problem. It was uh, I'm trying to remember what he would say. If you said, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, huh. You know, like you didn't hear him. He, he had, a, he had two words that he used. They'll come to me later, but uh, good stuff. Let, so, me, thank let you. me just tell you one other story quickly on that. I had sure. I had a um, English teacher in high school who was really kind of a, a very odd duck. And uh, one of his pet peeves was the word very, which, he, which is really kind of a, you know, a universal <laughs> adjective. Right. And when he we would, when anybody handed in their paper, he would take a little, take his little scissors and cut the word out every time it appeared. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> paper doll you know <laughs> wow that would be very memorable yes yeah. so, so what was, happened to your paper a, <laughs> my, mine had relatively few but there it's it's sometimes it's a pretty hard word to avoid yes very much so <laughs> i'm gonna be using fairy all afternoon now <laughs> nice oh my gosh that would be that would be very memorable and especially with your friends would go in yeah, I saw your paper there. <laughs> what's <Yeah>. left of it? <laughs> Whoops, what's left of that? <laughs> My gosh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your book, Undetected. It grabbed my attention and every page made me want to keep reading. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what new stories you're going to create and wishing the best at all you do. Thanks so much, Stephen. It's been a joy being with you. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. Here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions 
expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Thank you.